Hello, my name is Edgar King and I am the lead pastor of Trinity Vineyard Church in Akuru. I am so grateful that you are um, tuning into our podcast today. Head over to our Facebook page and see some of the information that you may need if you're in Akuru and you'd like to join us. Nonetheless, we will still be on live for those who are unable to join us in person. Thank you very much. I hope this uh, installation of talks today will be a blessing to you. So my name is Edgar. For those who are joining in right now, coming in, I'm the lead pastor, and thank you for joining with us. And we've been in this series that we call Into the Story. Uh, It is our community's practice of just jumping into the narrative of Scripture for weeks. Uh, And we are together in the book of James. Uh, James was the the little brother of Jesus. Uh, We don't hear much of him uh, during Jesus' ministry time uh, before his crucifixion. But after his resurrection, we see James come into the scene. He's one of the leaders of the Jerusalem church. And I keep saying... What, does it, what do you need to do to convince your siblings that you're a big deal? It takes a lot, doesn't it? Now, James, the sibling of Jesus, doesn't just get to believing that Jesus is a big deal. He begins to put his faith in him as his Lord and Savior. That's how uh, pivotal the, the death and crucifixion of Jesus was. And the reason we do this, the Bible is our community's book. Not just this community, but the community of faith across the world. What is called the church. This is our book. And and reading scripture scripture, is so important for, for us as believers. Here's the thing. The things we do, we end up loving to do them. The things we do often, we love to do them more. So the more we read scripture, the more we fall in love with reading scripture. That is how you ended up having your coffee habit or all the other habits you have, both the ones you're trying to quit and the ones you're very happy about. You did them repeatedly and you ended up loving to do them. The things we do, do something to you. You are being formed and part of how you're being formed is, is, is through the habits you've formed. Everything we do does something back to us in return. The reason you, you, you now need more coffee to stay awake is because you have a habit of drinking coffee. It's changed your body and how your body responds to stimuli. Now you need a little bit more. So it's this very same way. Everything we do, even in our spirituality, does something to us. And, and so we, we, we make a practice of reading scripture so that we can be shaped by God's word. We can be shaped by the teachings of Jesus. We can be shaped by the very uh, worldview that shaped Jesus. The scripture has power because it's, it's, it's words that have been God-breathed. And they have power to, to correct, to encourage, and to instruct on righteousness. This is why it is and it has to be our community's book. That is, even, even before we get to the questions of what does it mean, uh, how many centuries ago it, it was it written, we have to, first of all, surrender to the reality that this is our community's book. And that's why we do it. So last week I left out part of James 1. That is why we'll start from moving into James 2. 
How many had the opportunity to go through uh, uh, James 2 or even a bit of it? Awesome. Yes, there's three people, four people in this church. That's amazing. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Because you don't, you just don't quit on us. Thank you because you, you joy over us every single day. Every single day. We are never lost to you. We're never too far from you. So come and speak to us again. Excite our hearts for you again. In Jesus' name. So James 1, 26 through 27. If you put yourself on a pedestal, clearly not that one. Okay. I can read from you. It's okay. And Thank you. If you put yourself on a pedestal, thinking you have become a role model in all things religious, but you can't control your mouth, then think again. Your mouth exposes your heart, and your religion is useless. Real, true religion, from God the Father's perspective, is about caring for the orphans, and widows who suffer needlessly and, and resisting the evil influence of the world. Words can break and words can heal. So James is beginning to tackle the issue of what does what real spirituality look like? How we speak to each other matter. The things we say expose the things that are actually in our hearts. The things we say expose the things that are actually in your heart. How are you speaking to other believers? How are you speaking to your children, to your spouse, to your neighbors? What words are you choosing? It doesn't matter how often you read the Bible. That's very important. It doesn't matter how powerfully you experience the Holy Spirit here. It has to start reflecting in the... Some of us don't use unprintable words. You know, you don't cast and uh, yet we speak to each other in ways that tear each other down. And James is saying that reflects what's actually in your heart. It's not about, oh, you know, I'm on there. It's something he continues with throughout. Is Then the other thing is um, how you take care of the poor. How you take care of the least of this. You have to. If you're looking for the most Jesus thing to do this week, move towards the poor. Move towards the weak, move towards the widows, move, move towards the orphans, move towards the least of this. If you're on your knees every day saying, God, show me what, you, uh, what to do. Show me what you want me to do. Show me how you want me to live my life. And, and you're going, when will God answer? One of the things that you'll never go wrong with, all through, even after he gives you a very clear answer, is move towards the least of this. He's beginning to sound a lot like his brother Jesus. He's beginning to sound a lot more like his Lord and Savior. You know, Jesus came and one of the first sermons he ever preached was uh, him stepping into his calling and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For those of us who are very sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we know when he's moving, this is what Jesus, this is what, uh, Jesus says it looks like. It doesn't, it doesn't just look like tears when we worship in songs. It doesn't just, here is what it looks like in Jesus' words. I have come to set the captives free. I have come to give sight to the blind. I have come to uh, give good news uh, and declare the day of freedom to the prisoners. I have come to give good news to the poor. 
That is what having the Spirit of the Lord upon us looks like. And let's not excuse it to be, oh, there are those who are spiritually imprisoned. That is true. It's all across. He didn't qualify it. It's all across. Our good news, if it's God's good news, has to be good news to the poor. And this has always been a big deal to God. From the Old Testament, so many, so many Old Testament prophets are, are, are sent to call Israel back, the nation of Israel back to who God had called them to be. And part of the problem, other than worshipping other gods, was how they treated the poor. It was how the poor, it was how the rich would just buy land from the poor because they were desperate and immerse wealth for themselves because they could. It was how Israel treated their slaves, because then slavery was totally okay. It was how Israel treated uh, 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 those who were, who were divorced, because that was very okay. This has always been a big deal to God. How we treat the least of this is a big deal to God. And, and you know, uh, uh, some of us in our century, and I think it's a human thing, in our century we like outsourcing our spirituality. But it started a long time ago. When, when, when God visited the nation of Israel when they were gathered around a mountain, they were like, oh, Moses, why don't you go for us? We'll just do the other stuff. You go for us. And we've never stopped that habit. So Jesus comes and, 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 and just resets, not resets, just destroys the temple system. We can all have access to God. Yet to this day, we like outsourcing our spirituality. Let the pastor do it. Let the church do it. Oh, what, why isn't the church speaking against this? Why isn't the church helping the weak? That is important because we have to do it together, but it's also your job as an individual. We cannot outsource our walk with Jesus. Some of us prefer it done with the NGOs we give money to, with the NGOs we are part of. That's really good because there are some changes that we cannot do as an individual. There are some changes you won't be able to do as an individual, but that's just part of the story. It's always supposed to be both and both communal and individual so definitely definitely give to give to organizations that are making a difference in the world we have to and then you also move towards the poor move towards the poor my dear brothers and sisters fellow believers in our glorious lord jesus christ how could we say that we have faith in him yet we favor one group above another Suppose an influential man or woman comes into your worship meeting wearing gold rings and expensive clothes and also a homeless man in shabby clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the rich man in expensive clothes and say, hey, here's a seat of honor for you right up front. But you turn and say to the poor beggar dressed in rags, you can stand over there or sit there uh, on the floor in the back. Then you've demonstrated gross prejudice among, uh, among yourselves and used evil standards of judgment. So listen carefully, my dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world's eyes to be those who are rich in faith? And won't they be the heirs of the kingdom realm? He promised to all those who love him. But yet you, you insult and shun the poor in your efforts to impress the rich. Isn't it the wealthy who exploit you and drag you into court? And they are the ones who blaspheme the beautiful name of the one you, you now belong to? So James 
Like a good pastor in the, in the in, I don't know if it was a vineyard church or a, a first Baptist or, or, or just a church that called itself non-denom. Whatever church, whatever kind of church they, they thought themselves as, James as a good pastor moves from just big ideas of theology into practice. Our theology has to impact our praxis. Our, what we believe has to impact how we live. So, so James actually brings an example. Look at it this way. You know, if, if, if a wealthy person or, a, or an influential person comes in and, and, and you respond to them favorably, but respond to the poor not in the same way, that's, that's nothing to do with Jesus. And so how does it look like for us? You know, it's, it's in how we greet people versus how we greet others. Like when you walk in, and then there are people worth greeting, and then there are those who aren't worth greeting. And sometimes, you know, we need to search our hearts. Is it because of how they were dressed? And it makes us uncomfortable, doesn't it? It's a question of, of sometimes why we choose to sit where we choose to sit. Some of it is just comfort. We love where we sit. But sometimes we are effectively avoiding those who, do, who don't look very nice. How do you respond to the poor? And how do you respond to those who seem wealthier? Okay, let's bring, let's bring it closer to our culture, as embarrassing as it is. Isn't it crazy that that's, in our culture, uh, sometimes people, people think that, that, that every white person has a lot, a lot of money and how they respond to, to non-white people is different. And this is, this is the heart of the issue. Let's talk about what will happen in 2022. Ruto and Ryla will be in every single church, and mosque, but anyway, you know, that's not our business. They'll be in every single church and they'll be given a platform because they're influential. And James is saying that is not the way of Jesus. But anyway, we don't run all the churches around, so really we can, all, we can only look at ourselves and go, qu really question our hearts, really investigate our hearts and go, how do I treat those in power? How do I treat those who look wealthier? How do I treat those who are influential? Because it has to reflect the way of Jesus. And then the funny thing is, he goes on to say that these rich people have, have exploited the poor. And it's true that some, some people have gained their wealth through exploitation. Such an un-Jesus way, yet when they are around us, we want to kiss their feet. And, G and James is going, no. Well, and is this true? Uh, have you tried becoming wealthy at some point? I, I know uh, many of us are working to, to become wealthier. And walk up to someone who wasn't very wealthy and then they uh, made a bit of wealth and let them tell you how people start, what people started saying about them. Oh, they've joined the Illuminati. Oh, you know, they, they must have, you know. People say a lot of things about you, right? And a lot, sometimes a lot of that is just nonsense. But do you see what James is saying? Hey, he, he's, he's being rhetorical. You people say this about the rich, but when they come around you, you want to kiss their feet and then the poor you just ignore it cannot be like that how many people walk around in our country just talking about how the political class has siphoned this country and then when they are in a frost stadium next week we will all flood there and go yay our person this is what James is saying 
is saying that for the followers of Jesus, it cannot be like that. It's not just about kumbaya. It's not just about, oh, the spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere is changing now. It's got to, it's got to uh, 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 be evidenced by how we live. And one of the ways it is evidenced is when we treat each other without favoritism. Is when we actually care about the least of this. When we're aware of the poor. True loving of God has to lead you. It's got to lead you to loving other people. If we truly give ourselves to loving God, it leads us to loving other people. If your religion uh, makes you comfortable with favoritism, it's nothing like, like, like what Jesus is inviting you to. If your religion makes you comfortable with, with loving those who vote like you above the rest, it's nothing like what Jesus is calling us to. If your religion uh, leads you to loving those who look like you better than the rest, it's nothing like what Jesus is calling you to. If your religion uh, uh, praises this wrong, if he's following Jesus, how is he still on a picky? Sorry, I'm just letting my stuff out. And James is saying that's actually not true. James 2, 10 to 11. For one who attempts to keep all of the law of Moses... Uh, wait... For one who attempts to keep all the law of Moses but fails in just one point has become guilty of breaking the law in every respect. For the same one who tells us do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you don't commit adultery but you commit murder, you're still, gil uh, 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 guilty, as a, uh, you're still guilty as a lawbreaker. Okay, so James knows that he's speaking to some very proud Jewish people who, who pride themselves in keeping the law. So he brings an example that makes sense to them. Can you keep one law and break the other and claim that you're keeping the law? And they're probably going, oh, of course not. And that's why he's using extremes. You can't commit adultery uh, and, and, and not murder and then think, oh, but I'm okay. Or vice versa. Those were extremes. And yes, in a way, he's trying to say, listen... It's one or everything, which kind of tells you that we need God's grace, right? Because who's going to keep all of it? But he's also saying something linked to everything he's been saying above. He, you see, he's, he's quoted, he's just quoted his brother, Jesus, uh, that, that you will love your neighbor as yourself. He's remembering, he has memory of Jesus' teaching when he was asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, hey, you got to love God and you love his people. You have to love God and his people. This is what James is bringing up. He's saying you can't do the spiritual stuff and ignore God's people and claim that, that you're keeping the law. It's much easier, but it's just not the truth. If you, if you do the things that look cool and spiritual, but ignore God's people, it's pointless. Remember this, you know, and, and I know that dealing with the poor makes some of us very uncomfortable. It makes you aware of just how blessed and privileged you are. It makes you question your own lifestyle sometimes. And the very systems that got you there. Honestly, sometimes, because they are human beings, they are difficult to deal with. They lie to you. All human beings often do that. They take advantage of you. So we have to be honest, sometimes dealing with, with the poor makes us uncomfortable, but it is no excuse. It is no excuse. 
So for some people, it becomes easier to hide our head in the sand and say, I read my Bible. I do not commit adultery. I haven't murdered anyone. I haven't done all these things, so I'm okay. And James is saying, but how are you treating the poor? Because that is the true reflection of your faith in the Lord. How are you treating the least of this? So you want to practice this faith and, show, and, and see some real fruit? How are you treating the weakest around you? My dear brothers and sisters, 14 to 18, what good is it for someone uh, if is it if someone claims to have faith but demonstrate no good no good works to prove it? How could this kind of faith save anyone? For example, again, James, a very good pastor, says, I just don't want you to get some good theology. I'm going to give you some real uh, everyday things. If a brother or a sister in the faith is poorly clothed and hungry, and you leave them saying goodbye. I hope you stay warm and have plenty to eat. Or in our century, oh, I'm praying for you. But you don't provide them with a coat or even a cup of soup. What good is your faith? So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony or it's fake. But someone might object and say, one person has faith and the other has works. Go ahead and prove to me that your faith without works, uh, your faith without works, and I will show you faith by my works as proof of what I believe. I'll show you faith by my works. It's not just big talk. You remember he started with, watch what you say. Because there are people, we walk around claiming I love Jesus, but we don't live it out. I love Jesus, but we don't love the poor. So he's saying, no, 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 you can talk. Let's see some action. It's not just big talk. Now, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you know there's always been a big debate about, uh, about faith and works. And people have, have questioned, is, is James and, and Paul opposed to each other? Others have even argued that James and Paul were leading two different streams of the church. Um, and you know, I, I, I now think that is often the wrong conversation. I say now because I myself have been caught up in that. It's like, what is James doing here? I needed a lot of grace. I still do. So I much preferred Paul. I was like, James, no wonder you didn't like Jesus when he was around. But you see, I now think it's actually the wrong conversation. There is no contradiction here. There is no other way of coming to Jesus except through faith. Our salvation is a free gift. You cannot do anything to make God love you more. It's as full as it can get. You cannot do anything to make God love you less. You might have grief about last week. You might be disappointed about the, the, the night before. There is nothing you could do to make God love you less. And some, for some people, that's always hard to take because, we, we, you know, shame is how our culture, uh, 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 our global culture in this sense, uh, puts everyone in, in, in line. And now it's grown so big, we're talking about the cancel culture. If you don't act the way society wants you to, we'll just cancel you. Just making shame bigger and bigger and using it as a tool. And, and, and in God's kingdom, that will never happen. Regardless. It's purely a gift of grace. And then what that gift of grace does is start producing fruit. Real fruit. Fruit that people can see. Fruit that your spouses can see. Fruit that your children can see. A dear friend and I were talking about how interesting it is 
that a lot of pastors' kids walk away from the faith. And I know that it's, it is a lot of things. Uh, you cannot just boil it down to something very simple. Yet, interestingly, part of it is we just don't bear fruit. Well, okay. <laughs> wow, okay, wow, I'm a pastor, wow. Okay, we just don't bear fruit that people can see. And so it's big talk. And in the very same home we live in, families looking at us and going, I can't see. They will walk away. The world will not be attracted if it's just big talk. That gift of faith bears fruit. It's in how we forgive each other. It's in how we love each other. It's in how we even deal with ourselves when we find ourselves in the wrong. I'm not saying you'll never do something wrong. But as the world is watching us, they can see the, gift of, uh, the fruit of, of, of the gift of faith. And most importantly, it's in how we deal with the least of this. When, it can't, when one claims to have faith but there's no fruit, is it even real faith? As I've been saying for months now, it's not enough to just believe the right things. Oh, I believe in God the Father, God the Son, all that stuff that you uh, recited since high school. It's not enough to believe the right stuff if you don't live the right lifestyle. James becomes cheeky and goes ahead to say, even demons believe the right stuff. They believe that God is real. They believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We have an example in Jesus' life when, when often when demons saw him, they would go, what do you want from us, Son of God? And go, sure. So even demons know that he is the Son of God. So what difference does it make for us to just believe the right stuff? It is not enough to believe the right stuff. Right believing without right living is incomplete. When we truly put our faith in God, we are totally saved and that love and gratitude must move us towards a way of life. And one of the, one of the ways that life is lived is outward towards the weak and the least of these. How does it work together? Work and faith, our living and our believing. How, does this two, how do these two come together? And there's a story in the Bible that I want to retell. There's a prophet who's walking into a valley that is full of dry bones. And the Spirit of God asks him, do you think these bones can live again? And, and he tells God, if you say so, you are God. And he says, you speak to the dry bones. Tell them to... Uh, to uh, I forget how the story goes, but tell them to come together or it begins from there. And then there's a strong wind that blows over that place and bone starts collecting to bone and flesh starts covering bone and tendons. And they, they all join together and then you have bodies. And the Spirit of God says, speak to them to come alive. And filled with the Holy Spirit, this prophet says, you know, bones come alive. And then there's another strong wind that blows and enters these bodies, and then they come alive. The wind is often a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. Bones and flesh come together, but they have no life until the very breath of God is in them. It takes us all the way back to the beginning where God has created and seen that everything is beautiful. 
But it's, it's not just human beings that, that, that had the breath because all the time God created, he spoke. His breath went out of him. Let there be light. Let the land bring out animals. Let the sea bring out fishes. And then he, he created this human being and, and, and it, it, it looked beautiful. He was excited. He's ready to share, you know, to, to invite this, these uh, creatures to be kings and, and queens and priests in the kingdom. And, and you know what he does? He breathes. He puts his breath in us and we come alive. This is how it works. Just like flesh and bone have no life until the breath of God is in them, your works have no, 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 no benefit unless they're powered by the Holy Spirit. Your faith has no benefit unless it is powered by the Holy Spirit. These two have to come together, but what really gives them life is the Holy Spirit. Right believing on its own is not enough. So many people believe the right things. Even demons, James would say, believe the right things. Right living is not enough. How many people have we met that constantly give to the poor, which is a good thing? But you can tell that there is a darkness over their lives because right living on its own is not enough. These two come together and then the Holy Spirit brings it all to life. We cannot move without the Holy Spirit. And you know, James has, James has memory of his brother. And right, right when Jesus was, was revealed to the world and he goes into baptism, especially for Luke, he keeps saying this, the Spirit of the Lord rested upon him. Then, you know, he's baptized and, and, and Luke says, and then uh, the Spirit of the Lord led Jesus into the wilderness. And then he's done with the wilderness and then James says, and, and, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, he went into Galilee. Jesus is never moving without being led by the Holy Spirit. We cannot do otherwise. Your faith and your action glued together, then powered by the Holy Spirit. So even, uh, why don't I call the band back on stage as we finish? So even as we look into this week, as we look into stepping into what, what God is calling us to, don't just... Don't just go on your own because God is, is waiting to partner with you. God will bring people around you and say, hey, touch them because I am touching them right now. Now I want us to realize that this was a continuous letter. There are no divisions of chapters and verses. That was a new addition to help people work through scripture. But this was one letter. And as much as it's about generally how we live out our faith and right believing, James is specifically talking about how we treat the poor and the least of these. James is saying that, that, that we have to start treating uh, the least of this, the poor, better than we've been treating them. So stop treating the richer better than, than, you, than you're, you're treating the, the poor. It's betraying what's in your heart. And clearly it's not the faith of Jesus. And that's not to discourage you. This is why it's an invitation. It's like, oh, by the way, we can move here. Do you not know? That mercy always triumphs over judgment. 
And he repeats that twice. When there's repetition, it's important. He's emphasizing mercy triumphs over judgment. Do you not know that loving people will always come before knowing and believing the right stuff? Because he remembers his brother Jesus saying, hey, if you're going to come and bring worship, if you're going to come and bring uh, your, your, your offering, and there's something wrong with the relationship, go fix it. Do you not know that mercy always triumphs over judgment? Do you not know that truly having faith in Jesus will cause your heart to be broken by the very same things that break his? It will cause you to love like Jesus does. It will cause us to be, uh, to be moved, to be led, to be sent as, as he's releasing us to the broken, to the hungry, to the outcast, and to the weary. It will move us, it will lead us, it will send us, it will release us to the broken, to the hungry, to the outcast, to the weary. If you're looking for where to, to be Jesus today, look among the weak. So why don't you stand? Now I want to release us, but the worship team will continue and you are free to remain in worship and just, and just have fellowship with each other and with Jesus. I'm going to move to the back with some of our prayer teams. If you need prayer, we are constantly looking to partner with the Holy Spirit and would love to pray with you over anything. So just a few questions. Where can you find the poor today? You'd think that that's a difficult, uh, that, that's an obvious question, but look at how our world is organized. There are streets that are so, so guarded to keep people who, who don't fit there away. You know, it's, it's, it's the reason why outside our malls, I know there's a whole security thing also going on, but they're also trying to keep away people who, who, who might not afford the kind of life you have in there. And so, so that's part of the security they're doing. So when I ask, where do we find the poor? It is a real question. Why don't you ask God to lead you to the poor? He can. He wants to. It's in his heart. You can generally ask God, lead me to the poor. Lead me to the least of these. It will be a bit of you leaving your comfort zone. For those of us living in Milimani, you might never see people who don't look like you around. How could you leave your comfort zone? And lastly, watch how you treat those in your circle that could never repay you for the things you give to them. They couldn't buy you that coffee you bought, you bought them. They couldn't, they couldn't find you a job like you found them one. Watch how you talk to them. Watch how you treat them. Vis-a-vis -vis those who could. Our Father and our God, we ask that you form in us your heart. It's been many years of just living like the world does, but we have fully surrendered, asking you, put in us what you are shaping. 
I bless you now to go into the city, to your family, to your friends, to strangers that God would lead you to, and love like Jesus did. I pray over your strength that the Holy Spirit will lead you to areas of discomfort for you, where you'll find the least of these, and you will love them like Jesus does. I pray right now that your eyes open to see even in your circle who couldn't give to you the same way you've given to them and you love them even more like Jesus does. Bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.